please be advised. We will be discussing subjects that may not be suitable for all audiences, and will include subjects that some will find challenging, traumatic, or triggering. Welcome to You Don't Fight Alone, a podcast sharing the stories of those of us successfully living with mental illness and how we got here. There were there were times where um, through changing schools, I lost a social life. And that was, you know, like middle school, went to a different middle school and uh, made it very difficult to the lack of the lack of friends and social support really put me kind of in a dark place. And that was probably one of the the low points. Um, and but for me, it was always a depression has always been like a background noise like like it's it's setting the theme like the the mood the the theming of your life and it's not always a good one especially with the bipolar um it it was difficult and 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 by that time i was on medication which which was definitely helping but uh the medication has its drawbacks and side effects and specifically for me um like the mood stabilizers worked great. They would help me not have the mood swings, but it meant I was a level as a rock. And that might be level at a medium low, maybe slightly high, but I would but it, it it tones off the, you know, it it tones down the the range of emotions that you feel. Sometimes for good, you so you don't get as low, but oftentimes you just don't enjoy the happy things either. It just it just kind of tuned everything out. So there was a long emotional gray period in my life where it was hard to be anything more than meh. My name is Blair, and I was diagnosed with bipolar. Uh, like fifth or sixth grade I can't remember somewhere in there you know they're almost those diagnoses happened at the same time in in my experience they've almost been two separate beasts to deal with um where they can influence each other but they they did not seem to be triggered or affect me in the same way um, so they were just, it was just like, oh, by the way, this is true too. <laughs> um, so it's, uh, yeah, uh, I, I just say the two, dis, uh, two distinct experiences. And, and I don't know how much it's related to depression, my depression, but there was a hard time in my life when I found out that I was going to be a dad. <laughs> I've got a nine-year-old girl. Um, she's a delightful and amazing, but she wasn't, uh, she wasn't planned. And I was in a very conservative, uh, community at that time. And, I, and it, that kind of disconnect for me caused me to like 
freak out like what am i going to do you know violate all these norms and taboos and and like that was anxiety inducing depressing like like just just because i had no idea what what in the world i was supposed to do or how to do with it and i had to kind of reinvent um my uh the way i did things to come up with like how how do i explain it I realized that in that instance, I, hmm. yeah, it just took me, because I had broken those social taboos, it, it took me a lot of questioning, what do I believe in? Why do I believe in those things? Um, And as well as, you know, questioning relationships and stuff in my life as to what though what those mean to me and why do I hang out with those people and, and re- I had to rebuild all those things from scratch and that process was really dark and that in that part of that is very much circumstantial related to what was going on but depression definitely can feed into that and so that was a that was a a time of trial that like I, I had to kind of you know it's a stress test time you figure out what do you really believe in who are you really what do you who your friends are, things like that. So that was that was one of the rough times. My brothers and I had to move out of the house. Like my, uh, the family business was going under, and uh, like my brothers and I ended up having to move into an apartment by ourselves and just. Get, go okay you got to go get a job get your own insurance and we were living on scraps and at that point in my life um like i couldn't afford health insurance and so and i didn't and i probably could have gotten on some programs but i just didn't know how to and i didn't so there came a point where i just stopped seeing the doctor because i couldn't afford it and i didn't and nobody told me any other better options and so during that process i actually ended up getting off of medication because I just didn't know I had already a I had already recognized that that was an issue with the levelness and um it was kind of like a a, a, like I said just uh had to it was just a difficult time where I had to start from scratch and um and I'm not recommending that anybody do what I did and just stop taking your meds and stop seeing the doctor. All I can say is in my experience that forced me to develop some coping skills to deal with my own brain. Um, And so by the time I did um, have a daughter and that process came through, um, I was actually not on medication for that. And it was something where I would, like, like I said, I had to deal with that and, and develop, use the coping skills that I had developed to kind of, um, handle that situation. And I mean, honestly, to this day, I haven't actually been on any medication for, oh gosh, that would have been 2009 ish, almost 10 years now. So I've, I've just had, I've learned 
I guess the the best thing I could say is is that I've learned to understand the, my brain's patterns and behaviors in a way that I can combat them, um, so that I wasn't dealing with that. Because yeah, that was a problem. But I, 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 I I'm now that you mention it, I'm wondering like that because I was very neutral during some very formative years of my life. You know that middle school, high school time and. I never really got passionate about anything. Like I never really, all the clubs and and activities I did was because, oh, my, you know, my brother's in theater and I can't get home because we're sharing the car. So I guess I'll hang out at the theater after school. That's how I got into activities. And it was a lot of fun, but I, I didn't really pursue things because, and I think it's part of that is because I lacked emotional range you need you need things to feel good to want to do them you need and you need and even if that means you know having to deal with hard times and when 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 things get bad recognizing those can be valuable you know it's okay to cry when when it's, it's okay to feel terrible when shit hits the fan um the difference is understanding you know in my brain figuring out when those times that when is my brain taking it too far like when is a little thing spiraling down and escalating into my brain's making it a really big deal The coping skill that's helped me the most there was probably just being able to recognize the patterns was like the biggest thing for me. Being able to say, having had enough experience to see, oh, all this feeling like this didn't go right, so then my brain's like, oh, that didn't go right because you're terrible and everybody hates you and everyone hates you because you're just, you know, a terrible person. It's just, it's this back and forth downward spiral of negative thinking. And once I became aware that that was a process, that was my first step to climbing out of that hole. Like you have to know you're in a hole. Years of therapy and working with a uh, a great psychiatrist who... Um, you know, explain, you know, help me understand neuro, the neurochemistry of what's going on and what are these drugs doing and why are they helping? Um, that was enough for me to, when I, when I started getting into the downward spiral, I can just step back and say, Hey, you know, my brain's just not giving me enough of the proper, you know, dopamine, right? Whatever the, the, my neuroreceptors are just off balance right now. And that's okay. And I've had enough experience to know that this is a temporary thing. And so we're just going to ride it out and it'll be fine. And it's amazing how just acknowledging that for me, being able to identify that and just accept that this is a temporary thing, it'll pass. Instead of, a, instead of it being a conscious spiral, a spiral of conscious thoughts, it can be more of a spiral like it can be more of a a well of a a mood and the emotional state and just being like 
why do I just kind of feel down and icky right now? Like, there's not really any reason. I mean, there are, I, you know, triggers like weather and stress and things that can contribute to that. But sometimes you're just like, you know, those ha for all that's going, going down, I'm feeling worse than I should right now. And I don't know why. And that, so it's a, just a different kind of um, cycle that I've more recently become aware of and how to, trying to figure out how to um, work around that. And it's a gray area because bipolar is not something you can do a blood test for. It's not something where you get hard evidence. It's the diagnosis is a, a loose thing. And I'm, you know, I, and I don't know if there's various spectrums and levels and of, of it, but this just, just is my experience with it. Um, I will say I was frustrated. There was a time where, I was like, like during that time where I was like, I could, you know, maybe when I didn't have the health insurance and stuff, one of the things I thought was, hey, you know what? People are always doing scientific studies. Maybe I could go volunteer at one of those and just try do some demo drugs. Even I get a, if I get a placebo, I know the placebo effect is real. That'll help out. So I found some studies that on depression, they were trying to do some drugs. And I go in there and uh, I was like, sign me up. My brain takes a lot of shortcuts, um, and I and like and I think we we're talking about earlier with the uh, kind of during my formative years being on this mood stabilizer, the lack of passion and interest in things. I don't know if that I don't know if that's just part. I, it would be pure correlation. I can't tie causation to it, but I can say that I've struggled with investing my full self into things even today even even if i'm when i'm not on drugs I, I i i struggle diving into things and to be honest a part of that's probably the adhd because i get bored and i move on to something else but i'm just not as emotionally invested in hobbies and and things as i want to be like like just recently i i realized that like I really like I enjoy Mario Kart. That's the thing that I really love to play. And it's it's a great game. And when I'm by myself and I don't really have anything to do, I had to give myself permission recently to be like, you know what? This is something you love. If you want to sit down and spend three hours trying to get a record time trial lap and just improve your best, that's okay. <laughs> and so it's like so I even now I'm just trying to I'm I'm still hacking my brain in to try to figure out how to be more invested in those type of things. I have to remind myself that it is a, that it's okay to set up the mental barriers that block out those extra noise. And I can't tell you how I do it, but I've, I've managed to kind of silence the other, noises in my head when when i want to work on that and it does and it honestly like i said if i'm if i'm neglecting something or um uh putting 
procrastinating on something that that voice is strong and it won't let me do that <laughs> but um it's yeah that's something I've, I've been working on recently is just just figuring out how to how to put that up and um and i don't know if part of that was like i said those mental barriers that i i i, I don't know if i developed that from being like um, with all the procrastinating and stuff in, in school, like, I guess, I, I guess it's, there, there are times where you can take a thought and, and, and hide it away and stuff it away. And that can be an unhealthy thing to do because you're not dealing with it. And I did that a lot. Um, and sometimes it still happens where it's just like, you know, I'm just going to let that slide. I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to push it and just push it to the back of my mind and let it go. It's like, I guess, rebuilding my life in a healthier way has been that. And that's been a big process. Everything from my family life. Because I mentioned before how my mom was very understanding, but my dad was not. Up until um, uh, I was in college and he, um, he had a... What essentially was a heart attack. They caught it early, but he had to go through surgery. And after that, he had a large depressive episode. So he got to experience what that meant firsthand. And um, and that helped with my dad, you know, who's a very important person to me. It, that really helped him to understand what I was going through and that mattered a lot like being able to and it's not that we not even that we talked about it a lot but the fact that he could empathize I I, I guess was helpful because then the world doesn't seem like this terrible evil place and it, the world don't get me wrong it can be you know it, it the world can be uncaring chaotic and just you know terrible but it's not malevolent you know people can be malevolent but the the world itself is is not so i think that was you know probably another thing that helped me you know restructure just how i view the world how i interact with the world how i interact with other people instead of cuz when you know in this in this uh, church it was very easy to look down on people that weren't part of that church because you felt like you were superior like this is the one true church and and that's not a healthy way to start relationships and view other people um so that's that's the thing for me that really um just it's just a more positive outlook on life and then the um so I, I and I and I can't say like I said I can't say that having my my daughter was like the turnaround point, but it was definitely an important point in my life that forced me to restructure, restructure my life, restructure my priorities, my friendships, and I've tried to do that in a way that is the best I can in it to make healthy decisions. chances are high 
This is something my daughter's going to have to deal with. And I can't go back in time and tell myself, but I can talk to my daughter about this. And so throughout her life, up, you know, whenever she was upset or sad or things weren't going her way or she's in timeout and she was grumpy, after, you know, after timeout was, the time was up, I'd, I'd go over there and we'd you know, sit down, okay, do you want to talk about it? You know, what are we feeling right now? Just, can we, can you tell me how you're feeling? And, and just, I've, I've, with her, I've tried to establish a healthy dialogue about feelings and emotions so that it's okay to talk about it. And it's okay to feel things. Now, you know, and um, your actions, you know, the actions that you have from the, that you take from those feelings, you know, those need to, you know, you can't, you can't just do anything with those, but you can, it is okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel sad. And so I've, I've you know, every time that, you know, she's in a rough spot, because I, I, I have seen with her that something can set her off and she's just miserable. And part of that's just, you know, how it is as a kid. Everything's much bigger, you know, and when when a friend says something mean, it hurts a lot more and the, the, everything is just magnified when you're a kid. And so I've had to talk with her about that. But um, recently, now that she is getting close to the age where, you know, I suspect something may come up, I had to talk with her. And just tell her about our family history and kind of what depression is and, you know, just saying this is a thing, this is part of our family, and I just want you to be aware that it's okay to talk about it. And because I, I, like, because for me, the, the number one thing that I think that's helped is just being aware of what's going on, being self-aware of my own brain and what it can do to me and how it can impact me. So I've tried to communicate with her just that it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to process this. It's okay to think about it. And just because things feel bad doesn't mean that they are bad. And, and that's okay. It's hard to communicate. It's hard to understand. It's super hard to understand unless you've been there. Um, And even for me, I I have I have lots of friends that that have to deal with depression at at a more a much more severe um, level than I do, and that it gets to a point where I can only understand so much because I haven't gotten that dark that and 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 the coping tools that i've built up i mean they work for me i can't guarantee that it's going to work for you so i guess i guess i could just ask for patience for more information please visit you don't fight alone.org You Don't Fight Alone is not a medical podcast and does not provide medical advice. If medical help is needed, please reach out to a mental health professional. If you are experiencing a medical emergency, please dial 911. The You Don't Fight Alone podcast is a production of You Don't Fight Alone Incorporated, produced and engineered by James Fisher and Keaton Lycom. 
The information presented by You Don't Fight Alone is not intended as medical advice. If you have mental health questions, please talk to a mental health professional.